This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. There's good birthday surprises, like when your friends throw you a party. And bad ones, like realizing you're so old, you can't blow out all your candles in one go. At Phonewatch, we're celebrating 30 years of protecting Irish homes. And we've got a birthday surprise for you. For a very limited time, get a phone watch alarm installed for only 30 euro. Yes, just 30 euro. Offer ends November 30th, so order right away at phonewatch.ie. Monitoring fees apply. The bloodandmud.com podcast, brought to you by Beer52. Go to beer52.com, use the code bloodmud10 and get £10 off your first crate of real craft beer. You know it makes sense. Well, uh, what an eventful weekend that was, eh? <laughs> yeah. Have you managed to smile at all since Saturday, Josh? That's the question. Um, I don't know what the smiling of which you speak is. I know nothing but sadness and pain. This is episode 40 of the bloodandmud.com podcast, your sweary pipe bomb mm. of rugby knowledge. I am Lee Calvert, editor of bloodandmud.com, and over there is... Uh, I am the clinically depressed Josh Gardner of rugbyshirtwatch.com. And after the weekend when Irish rugby both shamed and excelled itself, uh, Australia yes. beat a Wales team that was more uninspired than a punk at a Coldplay concert. <laughs> and we'll look forward to next week when the real autumn programme starts proper. So coming up, we'll have a look at the weekend games. We'll have a look at uh, some shit good racings as usual. We've also got an interview with a man with a tale to tell from the lower echelons of rugby <laughs> of our beloved game. Uh, we're having a chat with our uh, new favourite Scottish person, uh, Dave yes. the Brick from St Boswell's RFC in the Scottish Borders. That's coming up later as well. The man with his own radio station. A man, let me just put that out there. A man with his own radio station who broadcasts his own commentaries of the game. Hear all about that later on. Oh, yes. And I don't mean commentaries of like major games. He broadcasts no. his own commentaries of St Boswell's RFC's games. Yes. Let's strap on. Yeah. Strap in. So Thanks. you can get in touch with the pod at uh, bloodandmud.com no you can't you can bloodandmud.com or at bloodandmud on Twitter or you can get in touch editor at bloodandmud on email if that is your thing we don't have a snail mail address but Josh where can we get in touch with you Uh, at Josh Gardner or indeed at rugby shirt watch 
that's rugby shirt watch. We yes, must emphasize this although, each week. That's rugby, rugby sh- uh, shirt uh, watch. Watching Wales this weekend did feel like rugby shit watch. <laughs> but, um, Which, of course, we'll also be covering later on, won't we? Because there's been some <laughs> oh, developments yes. in that as well. There's been some developments there. But, uh, well, yeah, we'll get on to it. Right, then, let's talk about Ireland versus New Zealand, I shall we? I don't think there's anywhere else that we could start this week. Because, yeah. let's face it, biggest result of the weekend, biggest result of the autumn, don't care what happens. Probably biggest result of the year. And if you're Irish, I'm going to say it's probably the most important win ever. Is that too much? Is that, am um, I cranking up the hyperbole a bit too much? I think there? it probably is somewhere in that sort of realms for them. 111 years. What is it that somebody put on Twitter, the meme that came up on Twitter, nobody beats Ireland 29 times in a row? <laughs> they put an end to that one straight away. That is funny. Um, I, mean, I kind of, I don't know, I weirdly, I don't want to sound like I was convinced that Ireland were going to win because I really wasn't but no, no, was I that. thought that they might bring it a little bit like I, I thought, thought they, they were would, well up for it I thought they would bring it with the Foley thing and everything but yeah. um, even so plenty of people have attempted that against the All Blacks this year and it simply has not worked my prediction no. was they were going to get hammered twice which is quite a lazy prediction I suppose and how wrong mm. I have been proven to be is, but really, it's a perfectly logical one, given that that's what they've done to everybody else. And I, I know a lot of people said before the game that like Ireland had basically been targeting this game all season in a, we will peak our conditioning for this moment, we will peak our training for this moment, we don't give a shit if we lose every other game this season, we want this one. And, I mean, the way that they came out, that was absolutely evident. Like, we talked, obviously, you mentioned the Foley thing, like, I don't think you can ignore the emotional firepower that they were bringing to bear because... Although, um, I have to say, do you know that the, the, the figure of eight thing that they did? Yes, yeah. At the beginning. They were in the figure of eight here and the All Blacks were doing the hacker in a triangle over here. Yeah. Would it be particularly indelicate of me to say it looked like a vagina and a pair of balls? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it is definitely indelicate, but at the end of the day... You've just got you've got to call it as you see it. <laughs> I have got to call it as I see it. However, I thought it was a lovely touch, but from a helicopter kind of angle, it didn't. Yeah, I'm not sure it conveyed it. But it was the fact is that it did give them, you know, what they needed to move into that game. I think a lot of people are describing the island game, the island performance, sorry, as heroic, and I think that's actually wrong. No, I just think it was really good. Yeah, the reason why I say it's wrong is because heroic suggests that they were like bats of the wall, rocks drift, no. unbelievable. When the reality couldn't actually be any further than that, they were just, you know, they, yeah. if you'd have dropped somebody who knew nothing about rugby into that stadium, which probably, frankly, a lot of the fans maybe were like that in, in America, well, yeah. and said, like, you would not be able to say, well, this is the team that's won 18 on the bounce and is terrifying and battering everybody, and this is a team that's been going a bit shit yeah. this year. Because that's effectively I mean, what, what, what it was like, wasn't it? Yeah, particularly the, the forward effort in that first half was is probably one of the most complete like pack efforts in all facets of the game that I've seen in a test team in a very long time. The way that they just came flying out of the blocks like that and like they smashed him in the contact area, they absolutely did him in the set piece. It just shows that like when you slow the All Blacks ball down, like anybody else, they yeah. can't play. And I think they did... I don't want to sort of say that it was like that they weren't brilliant, but they also did an absolutely banging job of exploiting all black weaknesses. I thought like, I'm not really sure what possessed Steve Hansen to think that Jerome Kino is a good lock. Yeah. Um, 
but they were hugely underpowered at the set piece as a result, and they badly missed um, Retallick and Romano as well. And Ireland absolutely, particularly the line out, they took them to the fucking cleaners. But it, but it wasn't a poor New Zealand team, and they didn't play badly. No, but I kind of feel like I got an impression coming out. I don't know whether it was just it's just you know rose tinted looking back, but when you sort of saw all the stuff coming out of the All Blacks camp this week, it kind of felt a little bit like they weren't taking the game as seriously. I mean, all as that they hanging around at the Cubs parade and taking yeah, photos. Yeah, exactly. And it's like Ireland and... seemed very focused, very determined, and New Zealand seemed like they were treating it like a bit of a tune-up chance to try out a couple of combinations, that sort of thing. And to be honest with you, usually that would do them fine. Like, nine yeah. times out of ten, they, they probably would still have won, but, like, they would just look stunned by that, the Irish intensity, particularly in the first half. And you've got to start wondering, like, did they start believing their own hype a little bit? Had they looked at everything that had been written about them? And, like, you couldn't blame them in many ways. Like, how many of these players have never known anything but victory in an all-black jersey? I think there's something to be said about the fact that I thought that, you know, they probably did think, if we just turn up and play the way we've been playing, this is going to be a victory and we move on to the next one and we move on to the next one and we move on to the next one. Because um, there was nothing about Ireland this year that suggested that was coming. Nothing. No. And, And when you've won 18 games on the bounce, you kind of just, especially for like younger players coming in, and there are quite a lot of them in this all black team now, Hmm. You think, well, that's what you you turn up in an all black jersey, you play the way that you want to play, and you win in fairly comprehensive fashion. But and you get to do loads of like fucking like round the head passes and have a right laugh with it and everything because that's the way it's been, isn't it? Overconfidence is a very bad look in Test rugby though because, like, yeah, it's gonna. I think I don't think it was coincidental that Gatland had his little dig about like the lack of humility on show in New Zealand of late, because that thing, sort of thing does put a target on your back and it makes people more motivated. And like, I don't want to sound like I'm going to be all, I told you so, but how many times this season have I banged on about the fact that Bowden Barrett is a fucking embarrassing goal kicker and how that might be a potential problem. And like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, if New Zealand had actually kicked all their points in that first 70 minutes, they probably would have been ahead at the end of the game and they probably wouldn't have had to have been going gangbusters to try and chase that winning try and they probably would have won it. Like, well, sure, would have, could have. If we're talking about hubris, that applies to Steve Hansen because he's seen his team take the field with a 60% goal kicker and he's gone, ah, it's fine, whatever. That's a Don't very, to... very good point, actually, yeah. Because it's almost the fact that we don't need somebody who can kick goals because we're just going to batter everybody. Yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah. Rugby has moved on. You can't win games just by kicking points anymore. No, but you will lose them. You can lose them, exactly. So, you know, why not bring in somebody like Damian McKenzie who goal kicks for the Chiefs and plays on the winger at fullback? You know, that's something he's now got to look at because it's cost him, uh, you know, a, re- a very and, proud record. And, and he does that, them... that kicky face, doesn't he? He does that scary kicky face. Which, you know, and there's, there's need, we need more of that in international rugby, even with exactly. the All Blacks. <laughs> and he was brilliant for the Maori on uh, on Friday as well. I must but, say, uh, though, I was actually genuinely terrified when Paranara ran that try in mm. on the 51st minute. I thought, here comes the 15-minute yeah. hope splinterer. Yeah. Strap yourselves and, in, Ireland, because it's coming. No, and that's if it sounds like what I'm trying to diminish... By talking about everything the All Blacks did wrong, I, I really don't because they were on another planet. It was probably the most complete performance I've seen from a Northern Hemisphere team, both physically 
tactically and mentally, it's probably a better, I'd say it's a better performance than when England beat the All Blacks in 2012, just for sheer... Yeah, and also because I think in that one, the All Blacks looked knackered in that game. I mean, it's still a great win, but they just look shattered. Yeah, and it, yeah, it just the, what really is brilliant is like unlike say Wales, which we'll come on to, <laughs> they they haven't let. History... Don't use a W word until it's time, okay? Just yeah. just keep your powder dry. <laughs> oh, oh, believe me, there's a lot of powder here. <laughs> I'm striking matches as we speak, but yeah, like they've got 111 years of history around their necks with the All Blacks. That's even more than us. But they haven't let it become a millstone. You know, they've mm. let it, they actually used it as motivation. So, like, they came within that Johnny Sexton kick of beating them in 2013. And, like, when you heard the players talk in the run up to that game, they kept talking about what an important moment that was and about how yeah. it had. Because it was them, possible. It, it, it became yeah, possible. Yeah, it had given them the belief that yeah. they could actually do it. No, it hadn't made them say, oh, God, we lost again. It was, they've actually used them, you know, the, what they did in South Africa in the summer, you know, they had the chance for a series win and they let it slip, but they've used it to build up that mental strength to the point where instead of letting these near misses become a complex, they've used it to say, no, we actually can operate on the same level as these Southern Hemisphere teams. And so when New Zealand came with their fucking 15 minute hope splintering brilliant bit, they just went, okay. And that fine. that was the most impressive thing for me, actually, because they started to do... Ireland were looking a bit tired, mm. as you would do, and, would. And, and New Zealand would unloaded their bench, like they do, yeah. and then you thought, oh, shit. And Ireland actually repelled them. Yeah. And we're going to mention it in good later on, but I think it has to, we have to mention Andy Farrell. Absolutely. Like, Ireland have never been bad defensively, no. but stuff they were doing late on was fucking genuinely heroic. Conor Murray's kick to... Um, to earn that hmm. uh, scrum and uh, the kick and, and chase. Yeah. To, it was just, yeah. for a man who'd been playing 80 minutes of rugby at that level, like the commitment and the tenacity, like, because there, there was another level. There was a point at which quite late on the game as well, when there was, I think it was that kick, and Rory Best chased it down. It was till they couldn't take the quick throw in. Yes. He yeah. absolutely beasted up there. And their speed in the middle of their defensive line to get out, because that's what shut Barrett down, I think. That speed out of the middle of that defensive line was unbelievable. And thats it's a simple thing to do, because you just got to run out and get there. But it's, fuck me, it's not an easy thing to do. It's a very, no, very different proposition not an easy altogether. it's to do for 80 minutes when you're fucking knackered. And players like... So the players that I thought were fucking past it and gone... Players like Jamie Heaslip, who's mm. been shit for two years, who was absolutely <laughs> Frankly, imperious. Yes. <laughs> he was imperious. Yeah, his little pass for Henshaw's try was yeah. as good as anything Kieran Reid has ever done. It was, mag- and he was brilliant for eighty minutes as well. Speaking of Robbie Henshaw, I think I know why they've won this game because what you didn't hear, ladies and gentlemen out there, is at the end of the interview last week because I had to edit it out when Josh was saying goodbye to Rob. He said, mm. "Rob." Good luck against the All Blacks next week, all right? Seal the deal, Easy. mate. Easy. Seal the deal. Yeah. It's like, this is what, see, this is the thing. We If we talk about your team from a third-person point of view, <laughs> curse the shit out of them. However, if we have direct engagement yes, with them. I just go, good luck. The anointing. Yeah, the anointing of, yeah. down the phone. It's funny. I was actually chatting to, um, I'm going to be that guy. 
I was at the Lions <laughs> launch on Tuesday and I was chatting to Will Greenwood and we and me and JB from the rugby pod and a couple of other people were had him in a room and we were talking Lions and centres hmm. and obviously it's too early for us to talk about it but he was talking about it so yeah so we could just say what he was saying yeah that's yeah, okay and he said we asked him Ireland centre uh, what's your Lions centres and Robbie Henshaw was his 12 and at the time I was like interesting but after that you kind of think yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well he's been he, mighty impressive every time he's played for the best part of t- for club and country for the best part yeah, of two but I seasons think he elevated it to a, a totally other but, level yeah, that's that's and, kind of true of everybody on that day well yeah it? the whole time I think that's it speaks to Joe Schmidt's coaching really because you think that people were talking about him being done 12 months ago after that debacle at the World Cup and in my preview, I did say there has been a decline in the past 12 year, twelve months and the end of the Six Nations, it picks up a little bit, but it's still not, you know, he he did have something to prove yeah. coming into this, this series and fuck me, has he proven it? <laughs> well, exactly. And I mean, he's done everything that Wales setup has been saying but not doing. Namely, he's evolved the game plan mm-hmm. because they used to just kick the fucking leather off it. He's brought new and- coaches in. He's brought new young players in as well, and mm-hmm. he's brought these, and he's shaken up the coaching team to provide those new voices and new ideas. and And it looks to be like there are some. I've read some silly columns from very excited Irish people saying, "A, we're going to beat him again in two weeks. Steady on, lads. Um, you might yeah, be reaping a whirlwind I would, there. I would I'd love fear, it if you if you fear. do." You can all just go to up to New Zealand next summer on mass. We don't yes. care about. But be afraid, Ireland. Yeah, I would expect the great black nightmare is coming. <laughs> Maybe, but um, also people then saying, "Well, why can't we win the World Cup?" And it's like, guys, guys, guys. guys. <laughs> <laughs> just brilliant result. Should absolutely should be the. Moment did you where... see what Ronan O'Gara said on Twitter? I didn't no. After the game, he was sat next to Dan Carter watching it. Wasn't he was, he? but this is what he said, right? Delightful. Oh, to be an Irish rugby player today! What a feeling! Ye are some warriors. Get up, ye boyos. Gutted to be missing the session in Chicago. See, what that tweet says to me is, please don't forget about me today. <laughs> please don't forget remember about all me. The times I di- remember all the times I didn't help you beat New Zealand. Yeah. Re- you know, remember all the times <laughs> I, had a, I had a purple face meltdown and did something stupid? <laughs> then basically, you know, please don't forget about me. I want to be involved in this. Please don't forget. <laughs> that um, was Ireland versus yeah. New Zealand, If you, unless you've got anything else to say on it. Amazing, basically. Um, amazing, just fantastic. I thought it was we absolutely are, brilliant. We, I drank many of my free beers uh, toasting them. Speaking of the, beers yes, and the free beers. That's what they call a fucking that's link. That's what right they there. call a link. We have been looking for some... Uh, we've been offered very kindly to offer to you listeners out there the opportunity to get yourselves some craft beer delivered to your house at a significant discount. Mm. Uh, beer52, uh, the website beer52.com, who are a craft the world the UK's leading craft beer website and delivery service and club? They mm. will every month send you a selection of fantastic craft beers as well as their ferment magazine to let you know what's going on in that world. Um, and which, professionally speaking, is very laid out, well laid out. Yes, there you go. Josh is yeah. a magazine man, not that kind mm-hmm. of magazine man. A magazine man has any words for a magazine. Um, yes. But yes, yeah, so the Ferment magazine, and it comes in a very lovely box, and it comes it all representative. And this month, it was a load of beers from northern breweries, and every month, they do different packages of yes. things. Yes, and they, as a, a, to set up this little sponsorship thing, they sent a, a 
this month's one to my house and I'll level with you. It was very useful on Saturday afternoon uh, between half time and full time. It was, but in all seriousness, um, really nice beer, really interesting beer. And beer and uh, rugby goes together like Wales and losing to Australia. So, you know, that's <laughs> perfect as well. Um, yeah, if you want to get your hands on one of these lovely packages, the lovely people at Beer52 have given you bloodandmud.com pod listeners out there the chance to get £10 off your first order. So if you go to beer52.com and use the promotion code bloodmud10, that's the number 10, bloodmud10, you'll get £10 off your lovely first order, which means you get a crate of lovely craft ales for £14, uh, I believe. It's bloody good when you think that a lot of these beers in wanky shops will easily cost you, you know, three fifty four quid a pop. All so. without leaving your armchair comes to your house and everything you don't need you, you literally open it put in fridge happy days if it's been on the back of the van for a while and the delivery it might be cold already you can smash straight into it so get yourself over to beer52.com use the code bloodmud10 if you get on there sort of as soon as you listen to this why wouldn't you you're probably on your phone anyway get on there get it ordered you'll have it in your paw for when your team loses to a southern hemisphere team this saturday so uh Enjoy that with your losing to Argentina Wales. <laughs> no, right. Speaking of losing and Wales. Yeah. Do you want to do that now or do you want to do shit watch now? Oh, let's get it out of the fucking way. I'm not sure where to start with this really because it's all been said right. so many times before by me and people. I, I'm just going to cue Josh in now and I'm going to go and get a nice cloth cooled down to, to, <laughs> to place on his brow when this is all over, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, but go, Josh. Even though we've only been doing this pod for a year, it feels like this is the like fifty millionth time I've been on this fucking rant. So let's get it out of the way. Wales were abject, utterly, unforgivably, irredeemably shite. It was probably the worst performance since oh Gareth Jenkins' era, or maybe it's at getting least there, since- isn't it? At least since they lost Samoa at home in 2013, when Rob Howley was also coached, by the way. Um, coincidence? Didn't Rob um, Howley win the Six Nations in the year he was in charge, though? Somehow, yes. But <laughs> Anyway, we'll leave that. That, that is going to be one of those things that baffles historians in the future, I'm sure. Um, I think the best way to sum it up, really, um, is a little second-hand exchange that a mate of mine's dad heard um, between Ian Goff and Tom Shanklin as they were walking out of their box on Saturday. And Goff, he right. was rattling off all the usual excuses. Pro 12's crap. The players need time to gel. Yaddy, yaddy, all that shit. And Shanklin apparently just stopped, turned to him and said, nah, Goff, you were just fucking shit. <laughs> and, and yes, we, we are. We are fucking shit. Wales rugby, and the, by and large, it's, it's going, going terribly. terribly, yes. Yeah. The thing that winds me up, though, is the reaction from both... The players and from Howley himself, to be honest, because it's so fucking mealy-mouthed and cowardly, and we've heard it all before. Like, all I wanted to hear from Rob Howley and Gethin Jenkins after that, to be quite honest with you, was a frank and honest apology. Yes. Like, is that, am I being unreasonable to, like, if I've paid 80, I didn't pay 80 quid to watch that. I'm going to watch Argentina, or I'm going to watch South Africa, can't wait. Um, but if I paid 80 quid to watch that or even more and my team comes out and shows not just a complete lack of competence or indeed strategy but effort as well 
like I don't want to hear anything other than they're sorry to the fans that they've let themselves and the jersey down. I think it's worrying, really, when you think, what, was it two-thirds full for a game uh, against Australia? they sold, yeah. That's what, well, yeah, two-thirds, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. Just over. And, and that's and for, that's like, a thing, pretty marquee game. You know, and, it's, it's, and, and then they go and play like that. It's, it, it kind of it smells of rot, well, you know. Exactly. Like, we had Howley coming out and talking about positives after that to saying with a straight face that Wales were better in the second half so he wasn't that concerned. Or for Jamie Roberts to say that, oh, it was a kick up the backside. Like, and like I know being a professional athlete requires planet-sized reserves of self-belief and ego, but guys, read the fucking that's, mood here. That slow start bollocks is ridiculous. Because look at, I know, look is. at Ireland. Exactly, and, absolute, now, and that is the stick. That and they even if they hadn't won that with. game, that performance was still incredible. Exactly. I mean, Wales's defence was awful, right? But I think you do have to give some credit to Australia on that score because some oh, of the were, patterns they, they were, were running were outstanding. All right, they and, were excellent. They and were everybody can have a bit of a bewildered, everything. have a bewildered day in defence and just think what, that we got that very wrong and we need to go back and start again. But the, it's it's as we always say, it's the attack more than it. and you've never seen two more stark examples well, the of the opposite ends of the attacking spectrum as on Saturday, have you? But you look at the the problem is that. Everybody knows that now. Like you said, there's 20,000 empty seats in that state for a game against Australia. Which like, on on is, paper, against that Australian team, the way they've been playing, they, you could they, have they, won. Yeah, the only game that Wales has sold out this autumn is against Japan. And that isn't just is that because of flogging pricing, them for a tenner. Simply, right. people don't want to fork out shitloads of money to watch Wales lose. The Welsh public and the fans, they've lost faith in the team, the management and the WRU to such a degree I mean, that they're just not even bothering I mean, anymore. Howley... One, you can't trust a man that hasn't changed his haircut since 1995, <laughs> even when he's going bald. You can't trust. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You, you can't do anything with a man also, like that. I like the fact that somebody pointed out that since he's become head coach, he's adopted the Ian Humphreys uh, massive coat. <laughs> yes, he was that on Twitter. Yeah, gigantic yeah. coat of incompetence has been draped yes. across his shoulders. But I mean, but what like, was what was amazing was halfway through the, watching it on the second half, and you're like. Do something, Rob. Do something, Rob. And he just sat there in his and box. And looked grumpy. Looking like confused. a wistful and bewildered pensioner locked in his own car while it slowly rolls backwards <laughs> into a sort of fetid cesspool because he can't find his keys. It was just... And then I think, what did he put a new front row on at 60 minutes? That was his answer yeah, to what was going on. And Hallam Amos. Hallam Amos and a new front row. That was it, wasn't yeah. it? But that's the thing, like... He's this Welsh team. They're not just they're alienated from the supporters, obviously, because they can't sell tickets. But they're living in a parallel universe. They're alienated from reality. They've been <laughs> regressing for the last five years, and yet they honestly think somehow that if they train really hard, that it'll be 2012 next week, and the game plan and the tactics they're using will somehow work. And it's embarrassing there's, to be honest because they're deluded. There's a great story about Barbara Streisand, right? Who apparently is late for everything. All the time, because she's surrounded by people who will never say, "Barbara, you're fucking late. Get a fucking yeah. cheb on," because she's surrounded by enablers, basically. Yeah. And there is something of the stench of that about the whole well setup at the minute, because Massively even so. the media are not holding them up to any kind yeah. of scrutiny. Well, well, Mark Bright on Twitter got in touch, longtime reader of bloodandmud.com. Hello, Mark. Thank you very much for for your patronage, saying that the shit good was Delmi Halfwit, as he called it, but Delmi Parfit from the Western Mail calling the Welsh players shit houses and then cowardly deleting it. 
But that's the yes, chief rugby. Said- How can a chief rugby writer look at that game and then suddenly and not at any point say this is a massive failure in coaching? Well, exactly. And yet, because there's not a single aspect of the Welsh team that currently functions. Scrum, nope. Line out, nope. Breakdown, nope. Defence, nope. Attack. <laughs> um, and yet to hear Howley, you'd swear that a few extra drills this week and everything is going to be tickety-boo for Saturday. And he's living in a fantasy world. And yet, like you said, I, I saw that tweet because it was in the wake of I Ireland, saw it as well. basically. Yeah. I, thought, I, thought I saw was... somebody retweeting it, actually, I think, yeah. Yeah, and he basically said that, um, you know, it, it wasn't Rob Howley's fault at all and that... The, it was because there were too many shit houses in that Welsh team. And my response, I, I don't usually get involved with that. And I kind of just had to ask, like, why doesn't somebody in the media maybe fucking hold the coaches and tactics to account for that? Mm. Because somebody should and nobody is. Because it's very obvious now that this Wales team needs a complete overhaul in almost every department. Mm. Like, I actually, and I'll put my hand up and say I was prepared to give them a chance after New Zealand in the summer because, well, it was New Zealand in the summer. But it's very obvious that they haven't... All this talk of new game plans and all this sort of stuff, they haven't changed one bit. And like to assume that the same coaches and the same players could execute a totally different game plan that completely is alien to everything that they've done for the last eight years is just naive. Like, I'll put my hand up and say, yeah, I, I was stupid to think that as well. But, like, Jamie Roberts is 30 years old. Mm. You know, he's... And we're suddenly asking him to become Matt Kitto. But that's are not, they, though? Is, are they even doing that? That's the issue, well, isn't it? Well, that's the, thing, I think you know, if you look the at... thinking is that somehow Jamie Roberts can start fucking spitting out passes left and right when he hasn't done it for his entire test career. Like, but it's, that's just baffling. When you look at... Um... I actually said during the game at one point, I did tweet, I said, Howley's got a lot of fucking shit to blame here. And let's be honest, he's only just taken over, so it's Gatlin as well. Um, However, the players do have to take some responsibility because they just kept doing the same thing. That that Mm. ridiculous spinning it flat 20 metres... Australia were completely fanned and committing nobody to the breakdown. Yeah, every yeah. time the ball came out, it went twenty meters. To, it went fifteen meters to bigger. Who went? Who sent it ten meters across again? Last week, usually to a forward. Or if bigger yeah. wasn't there, it was something like Ken Owens who just simply smashed it in. Up. Yeah. And there's a point at which, as a scrum half, Reese Webb, you have to sort of say, right, I'm going to start pulling this in tight, get runners around me, and start moving it. But the actual proper creative stuff, like Australia were doing, where you've got three waves of attack coming in, in one running, yeah. all running different angles. No scrum half or outside half in the world can say, right, lads, all line up here. It's not unless it's no. coached and people are there and they know and you can say run pattern two now or something off a you know, yeah. then you know, you can't do it, can you? And that's the thing, it's it's I scrum five was dreadful on Sunday. It's honestly it's Orwellian it's, that programme. It is seriously awful. Um but there was two points that I thought were very telling, and I'm not even sure that they intended them to be. Martin Williams saying that Drew Mitchell had told him that when they played Wales, they knew that they were going to be physically tested, but never men- uh, mentally tested. Mm. What a fucking quote that is. Depressing. Just Well, it just encapsulates everything that's wrong. And the second was Alfie um, in trying to defend Jamie Roberts' complete lack of ability to do anything but run hard and straight, mentioned that when he was a young player coming through at Cardiff, 
he could he was a winger he was a fullback he mm. could play creatively he could pass he could spot a gap and it's been completely coached out of him because he because he's a big lad and Gatlin likes big lads who run straight yeah. and people talk about Howley and they always say that he's a good coach because he's really meticulous and he's detail orientated and they talk about that you like can tell by the way he pulls that little bit of front of his hair down <laughs> to go back to his hair but yeah go on but they talk about that like it's a good thing but there's another way to look at that, and that is that he just turns these players into robots yeah, that are it so drilled. everything, yeah. They can't think for themselves, and that quality is written through Wales like a fucking stick of rock now. Did and, you, um... and he's now the man in charge, and it's depressing. I mean, Gareth Thomas is possibly the worst pundit in the entire world, by oh, the way. Oh, he's awful. He's Absolutely really bad, awful. but I just thought that was We wonderful. didn't come a bad team overnight. This thing, I was like, well, well they'll it's not been overnight. This. It's been How the past three have... fucking years. It's not overnight. Exactly. They've, becoming, they've been becoming a bad team slowly but surely for the last four years. The best... They won't learn from this because they've never learned from it before, so why should we believe this? The be best like... comment ever was on Scrum 5, which is a Vox Pop with Graham Price. Did you see that? I've re- I read his column. Well, they asked for him, and he was just stood talking. Right, he's got the same hair and yeah. tash, and he's just gone grey. But he basically said, "All I want, to, all I hope is that the management don't come out talking about learning lessons." He said, "Because we should have a PhD in learning lessons in learning by lessons now." He said, <laughs> and he's absolutely right, isn't he? Yeah, but that's the thing. The rest of the rugby world is not going to wait for Wales to get their shit together and wake up to the fact that the game has moved on. We're getting left behind rapidly. And unless there are some dramatic changes made in the next few weeks, fuck them all off. Players, coaches, they, there needs to be a whole clearing of house because it's not working. And, I mean, there's no greater symptoms of how much of a fucking shambles you're playing is when you are making Bernard Foley. <laughs> you, but Bernard like fucking Foley Barrett. to basically yeah. perambulate about the place looking like... Remember that scene... In Saturday Night Fever, when a dance floor clears and John Travolta does his thing, and he's like pretending to <laughs> fasten his, his, he's pretending to fasten his cuffs and point yeah. at women, and he's doing all that kind of stuff and spinning around and rolling around on the floor. That was basically what Bernard Foley was like mm. on Saturday. That, that just goes to show how utterly hopeless Wales back row were, with the exception of Ross Moriarty and the pack in general, because they made life so easy for that that every breakdown lasted about half a second. And of course, when you're on that front football, any fly off in the world would look, you know, even Andy Goode would have looked like Dan Carter out there. Maybe not. Well, but, but yeah, it's. Um, I reckon. Be I mean, imagine, imagine being, imagine being Ross Moriarty this season because there must just be an asterisk against every game he plays for club or country, <laughs> which is, it well, was all shit. Asterisk apart from Ross Moriarty. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to come on to this at good, but should we just move straight into it? Yeah, one of my only Welsh good this week is Ross Moriarty. And I kind of wonder if that's purely because he's so used to being the only half-decent player, the only player who looks like he's played a fucking game of rugby before. Because that's now all he does. Gloucester turns out... He was Everybody on, else. fuck it, I'll do it myself, hyperdrive, basically. Yeah. <laughs> he carried powerfully, he hit his rucks, he tackled like a fucking freight train, and he basically should never be dropped from this back row ever again. Yeah, and he hasn't played number eight much. That's the other thing as no, well. No, and he still was by far the best. Like, At one point, I did actually say to, I did say to myself, is Danny Adir actually playing? I didn't actually well, hear his name being mentioned at all. certainly shouldn't be any more. His time has... I, he's just signed a new deal contract. That's the thing that cooks my head. He's... Ugh. 
whatever. <laughs> anyway, more good. Sam um, Davis was quite good, I thought, to go back to Wales. Honestly, I thought for coming on in that situation at his age, first cap, cap his age, desperately like, trying to get something done. He yeah. put more good passes in in fifteen minutes than Dan Bigger has in two years. Yeah. And yeah, I thought he was decent. Um, other goods from that game: Israel Folau. Um, anybody you suggest? Whoever suggested that, like putting Folau back to fullback might make him good again. Pretty fucking spot on. Well done. Yep. Um, he was bored. Like he might have ended Alex Cuthbert's Wales career just on his own. To be honest. Yes. He was unplayable in every like. Under the high ball, he was imperious. His offload, that offload. Yeah, when he was, when he was nearly on the ground. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ, that was outrageous! And just he was brilliant. Michael Checker needs to stop fucking around with him and just say, "You are a fullback, son. Be a fullback forever and be brilliant." Alex Feeney got in touch on Twitter, and he was one of many who mentioned uh, this weekend. Good was Carl Ferns mm. going into full beast mode, ironically against uh, Mike Ford's Talon. And of course, yeah. it was Talon who moved I can't him. Imagine it was Ford that moved him. Will be there. <laughs> yeah. Somebody actually on on Twitter went as far I can't remember who it is to say that he needs to get back over here so because he, he's far better than Ben Morgan, and he's probably a bit of a bigger lump and a bigger operator than than Nick Hughes, Nathan Hughes. Quite old though, isn't he, Carl Ferns? I think he's is he one of them that's older than he looks. I think Mark, he could be one of them, you know. Possibly. He's certainly better than I mean, Ben Morgan. He's like Humpty Dumpty, basically. Yes, Carl Ferns is twenty-seven. He just looks forty-five. Exactly, he's one of them. Song. I thought so. So that's you know he's yeah. got he's got another five years in him. Exactly. Um, and Nick Easter was still was... playing when he was ninety. So there's there's rumours that he is uh, going to be well. Ben Gloucester's done, uh, Ben Morgan's done at Gloucester, and he'll be Ferns is going to be coming back. I saw today uh, for three hundred thousand pounds a year at Gloucester. Not bad so, for well, a scouse lad, eh? Good luck to him. And he got to punch Gavin Henson in the face. <laughs> He's quite embarrassed about that. On, on, the, on JD's Rugby Dungeon podcast, that was a very good episode to Carl Ferns. Oh, yeah. It's worth a listen out there if you haven't heard it already. Um, Michael, Welsh boy Mick, got in touch on Twitter. <laughs> he was obviously at the game. And he, mm. uh, and he said, um, there were some lovely fireworks. They were good. <laughs> that, was, that was what he took away from Well, it was more fun So, you know. Yes. Um, yes. Other goods... Connor Murray, yeah, oh, Jesus Christ, ridiculous. Uh, he's he's always good, but Jesus Christ, he was another level on Saturday. Like his control, his running, his passing, that kick chase, like we mentioned, that led to the like. And, and as generic brilliant. barman number eighty four said on Twitter, I picked one good moment from the game: Murray sending Aaron Smith to Tesco's for a packet of biscuits, then scoring. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, other goods, Andy Farrell. We talked about that. I know it's too early to talk Lions players, but um. Warren Gatlin told me on Tuesday that he's talking to his assistants in the next few weeks. I'm going to keep dropping those names. Um, so uh, if Andy Farrell doesn't get a Too early call, to talk lines coaches, you mean? Uh, yeah, it's too early to talk players, but it's not too early to talk coaches because right. the assistants are being contacted in the next couple of weeks, according to Gatlin. Um, didn't Farrell go on the last one? He didn't, he? Yeah, he did, because there was that brilliant uh, clip of him kicking... Yeah, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't go again because his defensive work with Ireland is... Did, there was that brilliant kick of him doing that 40 meter drop goal. Do you remember yes. that for the last? That was about the only good bit of the last Lions video, I think, because he <laughs> properly drops it and Rob Howley stood there and he, in the most Wigan way you've ever heard, he goes, Yes, in your face only. <laughs> but yeah, speak there's to, uh, very contrasting fortunes in terms of assistance, right there. Yeah, isn't there? Likely to be on the, yeah. Uh, um, Sean Flynn got. 
This year, Leaving Certificate students have new choices via the CAO. Whether you're going straight into the world of work or exploring routes to third level, further education and training and apprenticeships offer you flexible, hands-on learning opportunities. The future is full of possibilities. Whatever your ambition, further education and training and apprenticeships can help take you there. Your future is what you make it. Learn more at cao.ie forward slash options. This is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. There's good birthday surprises, like when your friends throw you a party. And bad ones, like realising you're so old you can't blow out all your candles in one go. At Phonewatch, we're celebrating 30 years of protecting Irish homes. And we've got a birthday surprise for you. For a very limited time, get a Phonewatch alarm installed for only €30. Euro. Yes, just €30. Euro. Offer ends November 30th, so order right away at phonewatch.ie. Monitoring fees apply. In touch on Twitter, actually, Gordon said, this may upset Josh. I mean, really, do you want to do this to me? Well, I'm doing it to you, really, because I didn't have to read this out, but I'm going to anyway. This may upset Josh, but an alternative Irish good nomination is Dave Kilcoyne, who was superb on Friday night versus Ospreys. Yes, I'll come into this in shit, but... Um, <laughs> the I'm coming at it from the other side, good. yeah. Yeah, Munster were very good. Um, yes, there was Pro 12 this weekend, despite the fact that eight of the 12 teams all had internationals uh, away. And as you Brilliant. often say, Josh, Ospreys are more greatly affected than many other teams, aren't they, with the Welsh squad weekend? Two-thirds of their squad missing this weekend. Is it really which... that important? Is this because it's, is this, was this game out of the normal window? Yes. Yeah. Is that what the issue is? Right, okay. You could argue that if both eight of the twelve if eight of the twelve teams have got teams playing that weekend, then it basically It might is be the time window. to have a look. Yeah, yeah. De facto yeah. window. Yeah. Other other things that happened this weekend were um Barbarian South Africa at Wembley, which I instantly yes. turned over to from Wales because <laughs> faith in the game restored a little bit. And fair play, Barbarians were brilliant. Yeah, uh, and the absolute peach of it was uh, Tekele Nyarivoro. Uh, Remember that massive Australian yeah. monster that played for Glasgow last season? Um, he was brilliant. He scored one. He made two. Um, but if you haven't seen Luke Morahan's first try, which Nyarivoro started, um, get thee to YouTube immediately because it's one of the best tries you'll see all season. It is absolute proper. 73 Barbarians level stuff is brilliant. And uh, the good was the coaches, I think. You said as well, didn't you? Mm, yes, yeah. Um, Will Greenwood and Robbie Deans, who'd have said that they were a coaching uh, one-two dynamo? But um, everybody knows that the Barbars are basically an excuse for constant drinking, right? Yeah. Like, that is what they do. So um, I think you have to take your hat off to Greenwood and Deans for somehow making them into a team that came within like a knock it was a, a knock on in the end of beating South Africa Does and it... like I spoke, I was chatting to Greenwood at the Lions launch about the Barbars and he was sort of saying yeah they are getting they're getting beard up of course they are that's the whole point of the Barbarians <laughs> but like he was very keen to emphasise about the balance and the camaraderie and, and turning that camaraderie into something that works on the field and you've got to look at the way that they played their attacking game was and they, to be honest even their defensive game was quite good they could defend a fucking inside ball better than Wales could anyway. I think for all and, his... We were saying this before we came on. For all his bluster um, and his, you know, business speak and David Brentisms, yes. whisper it. Greenwood, it seems he's quite a decent coach. 
I think, he and I'm sure be. he must have been tapped up by somebody at some point. But I can only guess. When we said before, don't we? I can only guess he doesn't fancy the lifestyle. He doesn't fancy traveling the around the world and all that. Yeah, the media life is cushy at the end of the day, isn't it? You go away. The type of media is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he goes on. You know, he gets on a plane. He goes to somewhere in Europe. He's home to tuck his kids in by Sunday morning. Probably, you know, he doesn't have to do any of this. You know, if he covers the Lions tours, he's probably away for you know a couple of weeks at best mm-hmm. but generally you know he's got a pretty sweet gig Not whereas bad. coaching is horrible <laughs> yeah and, and you get people like us having a pop at you Not that yeah that you get blamed for all sorts of shit uh good so. fiona k hunter got in touch and said that uh and as and trump also got in touch i'm assuming it's not that one but Trump also got in touch right on off. twitter yeah and said that uh, magnus bradbury is class for edinburgh mm, i think He's, well, I mean, we'll sort of put Sebre last week down as a, a but certainly the game against Quinns and and against Ulster on Friday night, he looks a very, very promising young player, I'd say. Before we go into shit, um, mm. we'll come back and do shit in a minute. But let's 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 first of all um, have a chat with uh, Mr. Dave the Brick. Hello, Dave. Yes, hello. So first of all, why are you called the Brick? Well. <laughs> The, uh, when I used to work years ago, my brother tried to insult me. <laughs> he tried to insult you by calling you a brick? Yeah, well, he, he, they had nicknames in the days, so I was a hard taskmaster when he worked. Oh, right. And, uh, he, thought, he thought I was a brick. He thought, well, he's a snippet, he's a brick. All oh, right. It was him, it was stupid, but <laughs> I said to him after, after about six months, do we, do we understand what the brick means? It means he's a jolly good fellow. Oh, does he? <laughs> he's a brick. He didn't know that. <laughs> but it's stuck with you ever since. Well, that's it. Uh, all the rugby guys. Um, it's like uh, Adrian here. I call he does no Adrian to me. It's Trevor. I, I couldn't mind his name, so <laughs> I called him Trevor. Now everybody calls him Trevor. So Adrian's known as Trevor, is he? Adrian's helpfully. Well, I call him Trevor. Uh, he's, he's Trevor now. We've forgotten about Adrian. He's Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it goes up here. You give him a name and it sticks to them. So the reason why we've got you on, Dave, is because what we're trying to do as a yeah. feature regularly for the pod is to actually just get some stories from the lower lower levels of the game and all that kind of stuff. So why don't you tell us a little bit about St. Boswell's Rugby Club? Where are you? How's things going well, there? We're in, we're in the central borders here in, in, um, in Roxburghshire. There's, uh, it's 10 miles to Selkirk, 10 miles to Gala, 10 miles to Jed, 10 miles to Kelso. Uh, 10 miles to the sea Selkirk. We're, we're in the, the very central of the borders here where all the rugby teams are. And uh, we've had a local team here for since 1926. It was founded by a, a greengrocer, <laughs> a garage owner, a couple of ministers and uh, a couple of other guys that were going to vote at the time. And they, they, they've played here since um, 1926. When I came along in the six, 1963... Uh, oh 1963, <laughs> I, was, I was going to say, you can't have played yeah, for that long. I was, yeah. at, I was at school, I was at Hoyk High School, and I played for Hoyk High School in the morning, and I'd get back, and sometimes I played for St. Bozles if they were short on Melrose thirds. So <laughs> I had a game in the morning and a game in the afternoon. And then I, when I left the school, I started to play for them on a regular basis, Bozles, and I just kept on playing for... A number of years, and then I just kept on going. Eventually, I was on the committee and various other things, and 
we changed along at the bus stop. There was a bus station along there the, in the middle of the village. And they, they got that in night, just after the war. It was an old army place. And they, there was a, the bus station was there. And they, they, were, they turned it into, a, they built a bath and had a kind of changing room and a tea room there. And it belonged to the army. But eventually they wanted to knock it down because it was uh, out of date. And uh, the, 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 uh, some of the local people here, built this club along. We've got a lot of club here at Jenny Moore's Road, which was built in 1983. Uh, they raised money, and uh, we did all sorts of things. And then we, we joined the Edinburgh District Leagues in 1983. Right. And in is, is, isn't Edinburgh a long way from where you are? It's 38 miles. All oh, right, it's not too far then. Right, okay, sorry. I'm no, not too no, big on my Scottish geography. I do apologise. less is an hour. Yeah, so we you said you started playing in 1963. When did you did. actually stop playing? Are you still playing now? Well, the thing is, I haven't played this season, but I was on a couple of times last season. Uh, I went on as a sub at uh, Dalkeith, which is near Edinburgh. There. For the last 20 minutes, somebody got injured. and uh, That's how I played. I, 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 the latter, in the last three years, I've maybe just went on as a sub. I've no, I've no played the full game. But up until about uh, 19, when I was 60... 65, I would be playing kind of regular. Uh, wow. There was another guy played with Adam Mabin. He's the president. He's about, uh, he's 61. Uh, what position are you playing now? What position he, are you playing now, Dave? He was 50 someone, oh. and they, they thought he was the. He, they thought he was older as me. <laughs> Some supporters said to him, "Are you the guy at 63?" And he said, "No, that's him there." Because he looked at me and thought. That guy can't even be 63. <laughs> wow. So I hear that recent history, Dave, is this true that St. Boswell's have had a bit of a tough patch and at one point, you, is it true that you lost 206 points to three to Dumfries? Well, that's what happened. You see, we wrote in 19, 1984, 85, uh, we, we rose to the, if the district leagues, won it and went on to the, won the seventh division, the sixth division, we're runners up in the fifth, we went to the fourth, we were runners up there, and we got to the, the old third division, which was in the top 40 clubs in Scotland at that time. And then we fell back to the fourth division for a number of years, and then eventually we ran out of players in about 2000, and uh, we are on the rappers, we just had no players left. So they regionalised about that time, and we went into the third division of the regional, and uh, before, but we're still in the... We were still in the fourth division when we played uh, Dumfries that the year before that, and we got beat 200. And they all <laughs> lucky to get nil. And the, the biggest laugh was that we were a man short. Actually, that season we often played with 12 men, 11. It doesn't um, sa- it doesn't sound like much of a laugh to be honest. But yeah, <laughs> 200 nil. That oh. season we played we played with fixtures whether we had a full team or not. You know, we just played because that's how we were getting beat as much. But uh, oh, I see. So you, you're playing a lot. You're playing a lot. You're side where we could. That's what happened. But the, the funny thing was that the, the vice president played for us that day. But <laughs> <laughs> a man short, he played. How old was he? he, he and, and how old was your president? He was he was president of Dumfries. He wasn't he president. Of oh, president of Dumfries. So I we were short a player that was still in the must have been in the fourth division then. And uh, we were a player short, so the president played for us. Was, and so I've, I've noticed that since then, and Adrian was telling us that, that things have turned around a bit since then. Is that right? Yeah, well, we, we we kept going for two or three years. That we were in the old third division. We joined the third division uh, when it got regionalised. We went to the bottom league. We had to 
step doing the way down to the third division or the or the um the east the east leagues they regionalized some of the leagues here so what we did was we went to the third division and we stuck there for a number of years playing away and then uh, a guy called david cassidy would played for uh Selkirk first, he came along and he managed to find a few players and then slowly but surely after a couple of years where we won the third division, we got to the final or the semi-final of the ball one hit and got chucked to the ball supposedly for some irregularities of a player which was a load of nonsense so that was a good season for us we should have been in the final at Murrayfield but we didn't get there, the next season we're in the second division Won all our games again, won all the league games, 18 league games, and six in the cup. And we got to the final and beat um, Glasgow High, Kelvin side for Glasgow in the final, mm. the Murrayfield. And then last year we won almost uh, won another 14 league games and got beaten in the semi final with that shield. And uh, we only lost one league game at the end of the season. We were forced mm. to play a game when we'd only 15 men because everybody stopped playing for the season. But We've been had it on a very remarkable run for the last three yeah, it sounds like. three years, yeah. and we got promoted to to the third division of the, um, the Scottish leagues. So now we're travelling Greenock, uh, Inverness, mm. uh, Perth, uh, Dumfries, all these places. It's all uh, all these in your division, isn't it? Okay, yeah, we're going there. That's our next game, and it's about a month's time, beginning of December. We're going to Orkney to play. Uh, I've right. actually been there myself with our president, Adam Mabin, a number of years ago, back in the 70s, 80s. I was working on the oil fields <laughs> and uh, the oil terminal, it was called Flota, uh, with the Occidental. And we went across to play rugby against them. They were in their infancy then. And we used to get a team up for the island, go and give them a, a game. And we used, to, we used to go across to the club. So I've actually been there. I've been. I was up there for a number so, of years working and mucking about, you know. So, so how does how does the, how, how does a team like St Boswell's travel to Orkney then? Talk me through the away trip well, to Orkney. What we're doing is we're gonna we're getting too many buses, and we're going up the Friday night and we're stopping at a boy a place called Gullsby, I think it is. It's near Wick, in a hotel for the night. Then we're taking the too many buses across on the ferry. We're going to St Margaret's Hope and land on Orkney. And then we're driving down to Kirkwall, playing the game, and we're stopping on a was it what is it a hostel next to the ground? We've booked the hostel, and then we're staying wow. there the night, and then we're having a, a night out in Kirkwall, and then we're coming back on the ferry the next day back home again. So that's how wow. we're doing it. Wow, I mean, I mean, how long is it? So that journey must be what nine hours or oh. something ridiculous. It'll be six hours to Gullsby anyway, and uh, I don't know how long it'll take in the boat, and, and it'll take a, it, because we're breaking it up, we stay in the night, and then, as I said, we're going across in the morning. Oh. And, uh, but it'll be, it'll be over 350, 60, 70, might be near 400 miles, I think. I'm, oh, no, it's two to Inverness, three. or be near, near towards 400, I would think. So, there and back, it'll be eight, somewhere so, about eight. How, how, do you, how do you plan on keeping people sober? on those buses, or is it well, impossible? They'll not be sober on the way back, but they'll be sober on the way there because you didn't stop. <laughs> I'm driving one of them. So. <laughs> or do, you, do, you ban, do you ban carry-ons as well, then? You can't carry well, anything on. Carry on. Oh, no carry-on. No, no. They'll get a carry-on on the way back if they want. But uh, Are you hopeful of winning that game? There. They've had... What you say? Are you hopeful of winning that game in Orkney? Well, it depends on the... 
depends on the. Um, if we've got a full team, we should have a chance because we beat the. We actually won on Saturday. We beat um, Highland all the way from Inverness. They came down, and we beat them in. The, we beat them 15-10, and they were top of the league. So you know we must have a chance mm. again against them. So we'll just have to see. They, they actually have to come down here in April, the very last game of the season, to play us. So they've got a long journey as well. So. Have you got to fund all these? Do you have to? I mean, you've obviously got to travel miles. A club like yours in that kind of division. Yes. Do, you, do you have to fund it all yourself? Do you get some assistance from the SRU? How does it work? Well, if we go over a hundred miles there and a hundred miles back, we get some money off the SRU. But most of the trips, are, you know, they're just under the hundred miles, so we don't. I think it was a hundred twenty mile to Greenock, so we'll get money for that. When we went to play in the Cup at Highland Inverness. We got some money for that. That can kind of finance the, the the trip. But a lot of the trips on, um, we want to get financed at all. We've got Haddington to go to, which is not that far. It's not as far as Edinburgh. We've got um, Livingston, which is just outside Edinburgh. We've got DL. It's near Motherwell and uh, Highlands a long way. We've got there, but that will get money for to go to Highland. But some of the smaller journeys will not get any money, so right. we'll just have to finance it ourselves. So, as I say, we'll just have to. What listeners won't know, Dave, is that um, yeah. what listeners won't know is that you have your own radio station and you commentate. Actually, I'm here, but now I'm, in, I'm actually in Brick FM. <laughs> it's called it's called Brick FM, called, which is uh, which is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Brick FM, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, I do the commentaries on the, uh, live with the touchline here. So you, are you you're ago, literally uh, walking along the touchline, commentating on St Boswell's on your own radio I, I, station? I go outside with a microphone. But a few years ago, when we were in the, the, the way back about ten or fifteen years ago, there's a guy called Jesse Ray. He maybe I've heard him. I don't know. He, he's he's um no. he's, he wrote that song Inside Out. It's all his idea. <laughs> he's uh, I'm he still I'm still lost here, but carry on, Dave. <laughs> He walks about with uh, the Highland gear on and the tin hat on. He sees him. He looks like some Wallace, I think he looks like. But he, he used to have a camera on his head and he could film it. And I used to do the commentary and he had it inside. So all the older boys used to sit and watch it on the, on the TV. Did you have to make sure he was like pointing his head at the thing you were talking about? Did that was yeah, well, quite... He had a camera on his head and he, he, can he, he no, sorry, it was the aerial he had it on his head. <laughs> The camera in his hand, the aerial on his head, and it signalled it back in. And my commentary goes straight in, and it was coming. I was doing the the, the talking while he was filming it. There's a few, but now I just go out with myself with a with a microphone, and uh, I do the commentary on it. And when I'm on a when I'm on an away game, I didn't like to tell these people that about the last fifteen or sixteen years, Radio Borders, uh, they're a local station here. Yeah. They used to come down to do the commentary on the match sometimes. They brought this muckle van with huge all of the equipment. Yeah. Well, I was going to these games away in Edinburgh and places like that and I was doing it on my mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> I could signal into Jesse at his at the studio down at uh, Merton there and he could put it live on air. You know are there any other rugby clubs standing, that, are there any other rugby clubs standing there giving a live commentary on a mobile phone. <laughs> Are there any other rugby clubs that you know of that have their own dedicated radio station? No, no, there's nobody else. <laughs> I've got to well, say, Dave. The last, uh, people in the in the in the in the, in the south of Scotland here to get a license to to have a radio. I've nearly, I've had it about eight years now. The license. Wow. I've got to uh, say, Dave. I've, I've heard some of your uh, I've heard some of your commentary, Dave, and you've actually got uh, a very very good. 
commentator's <laughs> delivery. I was really impressed. To get you... the players have no hair days. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't like what I said about them. <laughs> like Dave, you've obviously been playing since the 60s and, and obviously up until yeah. last season. How has the game changed at your level? Like, I mean, the law changes alone must be massive. What is it a totally different game now compared to when you started? It was a much slower game back in the 60s. Uh, yeah. Much more brutal, brutal yeah. kitty game. Uh, there was guys I used to go and watch when I was maybe just a bit younger before I started. I'd be about 10, 10, 9, 10. So go and watch Melrose. You get Jim Telfer and his brother in law, big Davy Hogger name playing. <laughs> and they were lying on the ground. And Moose Hasty was a guy. He had a hand off like a punch. You know, they were really hard guys and they threw their bodies on the, on the line, you know, and they kicked the bits and. It was a harder game, you know, all these years yeah. ago. But I think it's much faster now. I think the game's a little, a, a lot faster uh, game than it was way back in the sixties. Do you think it's lost something, Dave, from back then, or do you think it's as good as it? Uh, you know? it's, it's, it's lost a lot of people that uh, knew about rugby. The, the, <laughs> The, the, the people that run rugby now are, are, are uh, donkeys. They're a bit like the government, you know. They, they just haven't got a clue. I mean, if you take a look at what's going on, you get a laugh. I mean, the SIU are a bunch of, you know, I, I didn't have any time for them. You know, I tell them their face, or, you know, they're animals, they're just idiots. <laughs> they, they didn't care nothing about rugby. Actually, I, you didn't see many people that you recognise now because most of the older guys are gone, you know, they've all yeah. gone. But I met a couple of the committee men feel I'm one day they were astounded I was still going about <laughs> they thought God almighty the, 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 I said God I didn't think there was anybody from the old days still left because a lot of the guys that I knew away Dunkey Patterson and all these guys they were all you know they were on the SRU Jim Telfer hmm. you know they've all oh, Dunkey's dead Jim's retired now but um, he came for St. Bozos here Jim lived oh, here he? all his life mostly he came for Hoyk I think originally but he moved here as a lad and um He's the type of guy, wouldn't he? He wouldn't walk by in the street, you know. He's he's a he's a decent guy, and uh, you know he, he's uh, he came down an odd time, gave us a bit of coaching and things like that. And was it he was... actually brought um, a few years ago? He brought the Scottish team when he was manager. This oh. Jesse Ree guy, I was on the boot with the kilt and everything. He brought. He asked Jim to bring the team down. All right. And uh, he brought the Scottish team down, and they played in a friendly with the. What's it like to be coached by Jim Telfer? Is it as inspirational as he well, sounds on the... he's a hard man. Oh, my God, he's a hard man. I'll tell you, Jim Telfer, ooh, yeah, he's hard as they come. You wouldn't meet a harder man. Speak... But, uh, a very knowledgeable man about rugby. Speaking but, of the uh, SRU, speak, speak of the SRU and the animals that run it, um, Scotland yeah. will be opening their Autumn International campaign next week. For, as a man who's up there in the middle of it all, what do you think of the, of the chances? What, what are you looking for? Well, they've got a decent coach, Ed Cotter, but he's, they're getting rid of him at the end of the season. I don't know what the politics are there, but he's actually improved them considerably. But once he goes, I don't know. Actually, the guy that's taken over for Gallag, uh, Townsend. Mm-hmm. Gregor, Gregor Townsend, yeah. He lives in St. Bozles now. He's living. They built a lot of new houses. <laughs> and uh, when we went to Murrayfield oh, a couple of years ago, they asked him, we went to, there's a big hotel there just on the main road called the McClue Hotel. And uh, the, the team was meeting there for their breakfast, and they asked him if he'd come and present the jerseys to them all. Mm. And uh, he, he came along, Gregor, just lived across the road, and he came <laughs> and presented the jerseys and gave them a bit of good advice. He's a decent lad, like he's a is, decent lad. But, is he? Uh, is he an avid listener to Brick FM? That's what I want to know. 
Oh, I think it's, it's, it's surprising when we be listening to Rick FM. I often meet people and uh, they say, oh, we've been listening to your programme. <laughs> oh, my, I didn't mention you, did I? Because <laughs> I often slag a few of the locals off, you know, you know, a bit of hard time. <laughs> I tell stories with them. They might not be true, but they could be. <laughs> Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your so, time. Yes. Thank you, Dave. He's a, a, an intre- a thoroughly interesting character. A thoroughly interesting character. And again... My new favourite Scottish person. And honestly, have a look on YouTube for Brick FM St. Boswell's, right? For his commentating style. Because I am telling you, he is really, really good. And uh, I'm surprised he hasn't been offered. He's banging on about radio borders there. They should get him on to do proper games. Like, he is genuinely very good. But it's very obvious that he only does this shit because he absolutely fucking loves it. So you probably. And also, I didn't quite get to ask him another question because he was on one there, but. I do, hmm. I do love the idea of of a of a bath in a bus stop. I'm sure he mentioned that at one point. We used to have he a bath in a bus stop. I, I was sort of, uh, it was one of those things where it was. I mean, he is a very Scottish man. He is a very Scottish I was, man. I was wondering if that was maybe some slang that I didn't understand. That's true. But beautiful Borders voice, though. You can listen oh, to it lovely. all day. Can't I really you? could. All day. It was very. It says a lot that a man that played front row in the '60s hears mentions Jim Telfer and then all he can just say about him is that he's just an incredibly hard man. <laughs> yeah. If you ever needed any more ex- ex- you know, ex- um, evidence that you didn't know already. Right, well, exactly. let's go on to the shit from last yes. weekend. And before we do that, let's talk about the great Cuthbert Police on Trophy. Yes. Look, I think we've got to accept something here. Shitwatch is a strange and inexplicable beast. And what's more, it's got no concern, none at all, for the things that we want or desire. We wanted Jules Plisson contending for the CPC in a couple of weeks with Edinburgh Stade Francais. But no, Edinburgh barely had a chance to unpack the trophy from its bubble wrap, and they were shunting it on to Ulster, of all people, who I think we can now safely say don't actually have the best backline in Europe. Yes, You've yeah, had a fair I, bit of shit on Twitter for that, haven't you? Yeah, uh, they were fucking dreadful. Like that Edinburgh, as as Fiona mentioned in in good, that Edinburgh back row were excellent again, um, and they absolutely handled Ulster. They were twenty eight three up at one point, and in the end, it was twenty eight seventeen. So yeah, Ulster I'm, once again holds it, the shit watch title, and it gets handed over in a shocking way on a Friday night again. There's something about yes. Friday night and the great god mm. of the CPC who looks on and well, he mocks. Our confident well, earthly ways. Indeed. I think, in truth, we should have seen this coming because... <laughs> yeah, where's it going something. next? Yes. We have to accept something here. Like, remember when Zebra were beating Connacht and the universe intervened with a borderline sarcastic storm to pull the game <laughs> off? Like, I think this is another example of the undeniable truth that there is a higher power and he wants the... <laughs> and the only on thing he cares about... Back in Palmer. <laughs> because why... Who are Ulster playing at home next up? On, yes, a, f- on a Friday night. Make this shit up. On a Friday, on Friday night, night, I believe. You could not make this shit up. Zebra will probably win now, just to mock me. I've had a, a few people get in touch, um, and I think they must be new listeners, which is good news, <laughs> so, so, so welcome along, who are obviously trying to piece together what it is we're banging on about when we talk about this each week. So uh, yeah, let's just point. give, it, again, a quick one. I keep getting asked, why is it called? I understand the reason why you give it out, but why is it called think, the Cuthbert Police on Call? You need to create like a sort of a, a shit watch slash CPC for beginners section on blowmud.com where we yeah. explain our bafflingly weird law <laughs> to them. 
But why is it called a Cuthbert Plisson Cup? It's because both Cuthbert and Plisson are shit. It is that simple. Yeah. Don't overthink and, it, honestly. We're not intelligent people, you know. Don't overthink it. No, there's not. And if anybody has proved that this weekend, once again, it is the second half of that. Well, the first half, I should say, of that particular equation, because he was fucking dreadful. He was. And um, it basically started off with Treviso, who hadn't won a game for a year, and we thought it'd be a right laugh to have this Treviso shit watch to see exactly how long they could keep hold being shit and not winning. Then it's about three weeks, didn't it? He asked about three weeks because Josh came up with the idea, saying, "Well, tell you what, let's create this special prize that basically whoever loses to the person to Treviso gets this prize," and it's run like that ever since. And this is, is actually the, the inverse Ranfurry Shield, like in the NPC down in New Zealand. Yes. So you lose, and this you is get it. The second time, this is Ulster Ship Watch Two: Revenge of the Mediocre, basically. Yes. Um. Because and weirdly. This exact sort of sequence of events happened last year. Ulster lost away to a team. It was Cardiff last time. Correct. They weren't expected to. And then they had Zebra at home next. I tell you what, you know, some things you shouldn't try to fathom. Man. Weird shit, man. Right, let's go do some shit selections from the weekend. I'll start off. The BBC graphics department. (laughs) Well, now, now which particular awful thing are you talking about? Well, let about? me talk about my bit, and you can tell me, because I didn't see the bit you were talking about before. The bit that I've seen is that the, at half-time, when they were demonstrating how dominant Australia had been in the first 20 minutes, they brought out a bar chart with a big load of gold on it and yeah. a little red bit on it, which, you know, fair enough, but they literally brought it out. They didn't put it on screen. They brought it on a piece of paper. They not have read, could somebody in their graphics department not have banged up a bar graph? It's unbelievable. Like, I mean, Sky have got those massive iPads that they drive. And basically, and this, Inverdale was sat there like a twat holding up this piece of paper. That's because they blew all their budget on that bit before the game where, bafflingly, Jamie uh, Jeremy Guska dressed like some sort of weird performing arts man. <laughs> like a beat poet. <laughs> like a weird beat poet. Um was green screen superimposed onto footage of Wales attacking play, pretending to be pointing out where they should be running, and it looked like something out of Tomorrow's World from 1987. So I and they clearly was... didn't listen to him, did they? Clearly <laughs> not. But maybe if Jeremy Guskett had actually been there in black, he would have somehow helped. But no. Um, yes, so that was fucking dreadful. Anything uh, else shit for you? Well, I mean, there was quite a long list of potentials here, um, but I'm just going to pick on Jamie Roberts because two things that Jamie Roberts is supposed to be good at, right? Mm-hmm. One hard and straight. Yeah. Uh, best defensive centre in world rugby. Now, he's forgotten how to do one of those things, and it's the one that anyone, the reason that people would actually pick him in the first place. He was drawn to Kurandrani like a fucking magnet on Saturday, whether he had the ball or not. And like a man who's supposed to be the defensive captain of the team shouldn't be getting dumbfounded by dummy runs every time an opposition tries one. And Kurundrani is a big unit at centre, isn't he? Exactly. It was kind of a perfect example of just because you're a big unit at centre, you don't need to be this plank. Yeah, you don't need to be quite so unsubtle. And like, this isn't the thing is, though, it isn't the recent development because he was defensively very poor against New Zealand too. And you've got, like I said earlier, he's just turned 30, and you've got to wonder, is his time done? Tom George on Twitter certainly agrees with you. He said, Jamie Roberts was shit. I don't know how he's not criticised more. Well, to be honest, you can't blame this pod for this, because I was banging on about him last year. 
And I defended him last year, but I can defend him no more. He, he, yeah, no, it's just not working. And I think the other shit thing is trying to blame the Pro 12. Hashtag it's the Pro 12's fault. Hashtag well, enemies of the people. Yes, that's the thing. When the Pro 12 is good, the Pro it's as good as the Prem or anything else. However, unfortunately, this weekend, the Pro 12 demonstrated once again that it's not very good at all because it devalues itself and its product by playing games all the way through test windows. So we had an Ospreys team shorn of nearly 20 players from the first team squad getting nilled against a Munster squad that had very few absentees. We had a Glasgow side that had none of their internationals getting outclassed by a Scarlet team. We had the Blues barely sneaking past Chiriso. Like this is the only the only reason that people... They say people only care about the Pro 12 in the derbies, right? But the reason that people does that is that's generally the only times that teams play on a level playing field with all of their players. And nobody can take a league seriously Apart from last week. as an investor until like these unfair, meaningless games no longer exist. It's so silly. Uh, picking up some shit stuff from Twitter, uh, Dave Station UK got in touch saying shit was Dan Bigger, never out of the refs here, bin for being stupid, full stop, I think he's just a twat. <laughs> Fair dues, Dave. That's the kind of straight talking we like on this pod. Exactly. I mean, you're very wrong about... <laughs> but we still like the straight talking. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't binned for being stupid. He was binned for not... It was a perfectly good binning, as far as I was concerned. It was... He took a yellow card to save a try, and Wales didn't concede one the whole time he was off. So that's a good... He was basically... He took a yellow card for Alex Cuthbert's defensive shambolicness. Yes, but he is a, he is a shit house though, and not in a damn perfect way. Just in that he's a bit of a bell, but I'm fine with that. But it's um, that Pro 12 thing to go back to that. It is very true. A lot of people make this point. I mean, it wasn't more perfectly straight by Ireland, was it? You can't on the one hand say the Pro 12 is rubbish, and then yeah. see Ireland dismantle New, New Zealand yeah. later on. It's not the league's fault, is it? It's the it's it's, it's a good, shit it's, excuse. It's a perfectly good league. It's just badly organised, and therein lies the problem with it. But there's nothing wrong with the quality of the players or the standard of it at all, clearly. Um, other things that were shit for me, um, mainly because I've seen it and kept hearing it both before and after the game, is people who think that Sean O'Brien should still be Ireland's first choice open side. Like, are you kidding me? I've like, never, I've been on the record with this before, I've never quite understood the love affair with Sean O'Brien anyway. He seems a nice lad. But yeah, I don't, I don't, and a and decent he's a, player. He's not a bad player. I just never quite understood the all like when he came back from injury. People was like the second coming. It was unbelievable. He's what he is is a really good ball carrying six. Yes, I would say so. Yeah, and he's absolutely not. Is an international open side. But not only was Jordy Murphy amazing until he got injured, but then Josh van der Fleer came on and was basically just as good. And when you chuck Peter Romani in there, that is three open side flankers that I would happily have if I was Irish ahead of him any day of the week. So, yeah, I just find it very odd. I think that people are living a little bit in the past with that and they need to embrace the fact that they've got these brilliant young players. And fucking don't worry about O'Brien. He can still chip in at six when he needs to. When you need him to come off and carry some ball about and do some hard work. Yeah, exactly. But they've kind of got a ball carrying six now as well. So. Yeah. Speaking of which, we haven't mentioned CJ Stander, have we? No, so to jump back into good, but brilliant, absolutely incredible. Yes. Um, 
other shits for me, probably my last shit, actually, uh, Aaron Smith. Like, we haven't really discussed the whole situation of him getting suspended for having sex in a disabled toilet on here, have we? I think it's because... It's such an overreaction. He just, a... you know, well, you know, as like, long as it was all consensual... Exactly. I don't really see what the problem is here. Do you know what I mean? People exactly. can have it off if they want, can't they? Well, exactly. And also, the, the level of, like, overreaction and getting... He got stood down by the All Blacks. He got sent home in disgrace, and he got like air, he literally got airbrushed out of the All Black jersey launch. <laughs> literally airbrushed out. Literally airbrushed. They replaced him with Israel Dag. I mean, it's not it very was... favourable, but really, is shagging such a bad thing these well, days? Exactly. Regardless it's kind of, of where of it weird, might... prudish, and a bit over the top. And you look at it, and you think two months ago he was the best nine on the planet. Yep. And on Saturday, he looked like Ben Young's having he, a shit day. He, and he bought the worst dummy you've ever oh seen in your life. Oh, my God, so. he let him breeze past him. That was embarrassing. That was good, crap, you know, good for Murray, but he, he should never Murray, have got away with that. Like, it speaks volumes that the All Blacks only really looked dangerous once he was subbed off. It's just really sad because they've sort of vilified him for something that wasn't actually that bad, and it just seems to have mentally destroyed him as a player. And he was really good. He was world-class. And now he just looks like a complete shell of a man. I just think it's a bit tragic. Yep. Hmm. And on, I think that happy note. on that happy note, it's all a bit <laughs> tragic. And on that happy yes. note, we will look forward to next weekend. I'm not going to go and review it because we've been on for quite a while already. Uh, are you, you're um, going to the Argentina game. I am going to Argentina. Uh, I probably wish I was actually going to the country of Argentina rather than just <laughs> going to watch them lose, uh, beat Wales rather. But um, yes, so I shall have... Um, from the, I've actually managed to blag him with a mate's corporate hospitality, so that might be the only benefit of the whole thing for me is free food and drink while I watch my Getting team get Getting shit-faced thick. is the way forward, I'm guessing. I'm guessing probably it is. And of course, we will see the debut of England this 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 we weekend. Will indeed, will they? Can they win without Mauro? That's what I want to know. And can and they string just... together something resembling that Australian attacking pattern? Because let's be honest, Japan did. And he's had enough time now, so let's get on with it. I mean, yes. Japan under Jones did, I mean. Yes, obviously. Right, Josh, thank you very much. I will see you next week. Pleasure. Take care, Take everybody. care, mate. Bye. There's good birthday surprises, like when your friends throw you a party. And bad ones, like realising you're so old, you can't blow out all your candles in one go. At Phonewatch, we're celebrating 30 years of protecting Irish homes. And we've got a birthday surprise for you. For a very limited time, get a Phonewatch alarm installed for only €30. Euro. Yes, just €30. Euro. Offer ends November 30th, so order right away at phonewatch.ie. Monitoring fees apply. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.